and welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Bree. I'm Theora. And I'm Caitlin. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters, and we're here to talk about it. Cheers, queers! What's on the Big Gay Agenda today, Theora? Today, we're continuing our Heartstopper Season 2 discussion by talking about Episode 2, Family. Are you ready to get this on the road, Caitlin? Yes, let's get to it. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. All right, so Episode 2 is called Family. And now we're in the thick of it. We open up with what I think is called, what I think is Parents' Day. I don't know if that's what it's called in the UK, but it's like all the, for some reason we're in the gym again, I think. And all the parents are like, it's like parents with their child meeting with the teachers and it's like going over their progress so far. I have never seen parents and the students together with teachers. No, I mean, not in America. I feel like that would be our technically back to school night, which is not going over our, we haven't gone over our progress since like elementary school. Right. They don't give a shit about kids in America. Let's be real. <laughs> they just don't care. So maybe they care more in the UK. I'm not sure. But this gives us an excuse to, or a perfect setting to like meet all the families because we, at this point, we've only seen Olivia Coleman and Charlie's parents and Tao's mom a little bit. So, uh, so we get, we'll start with Tao. So Tao's mom in this scene seems like genuinely supportive of Tao and their relationship seems right off the bat really cute and close but this scene is probably my favorite so it's with the art teacher and he the art teacher is really concerned about Tao's art progress so far and um you would think it was like the worst thing ever or that it's like very disturbed but it's not okay I'll let you continue though okay so we get evidence of why he's concerned in the form of Tao's fish drawings, which are not the best. He's trying, okay? Um, why do they look like pigs? Yep, that's okay. So I think he drew some manatees or dolphins and they kind of look like pigs. And then he has like, I'm trying to like see this better. He wrote stuff in, we took screenshots. He like wrote stuff in the margins I'm trying to read it. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to uh, wrap it. So thank you. Okay, so the first one, he drew a picture of a lionfish, and he's like very cross something out toxic. They have stingers that are deadly to the touch. I think the second one is my favorite though. So he's just got on the left side of the page all these fish with like this one with like a devious looking smile, one that looks like it's on drugs and he's just like he wrote something about like he said it was poison i think he was about to say poisonous and then he's like oh shoot it says toxic not poisonous okay so i do have um i know what you're gonna say and that's what i'm trying to find but go ahead he wrote something on there about like i googled a bunch of fish or something yes so i i wrote exactly what it said thank you i looked up he well it's one of my favorite things on this page i looked up pictures of fish for this page (laughs) he's just like he worked hard on it so like let's not so there are many types of fish here are a variety of fish it's just it sounds like, like an elementary school's like essay that's what i'm saying 
And, like, the fish he's drawing all kind of look the same, and, like, they're not I'm, detailed. I'm sorry, that wasn't the end of the sentence. He just oh, splits up the sentences. So, here are a variety of fish, but then it goes to this side, that live in the sea. I looked up pictures of fish online. And then at the bottom, for this page. That's my favorite. This is what he's submitting to his art teacher. And like, I wonder if Tao should stick to film and not drawing because he is on the struggle bus with this submission. And then there's types of deep sea fish, unicorn fish. I do like his unicorn fish. I think that one came out okay. But like the left side is just like, what are these drawings like? But the thing is, I have a bone to pick with this scene. All right, do it. Because I, for one, I mean, the, all right, they're not L, okay? But clearly. I don't know if I have it. I can't draw for shit. Same. That's how I met Brie, actually, is by putting uh, things online that I drew for some competition thing. But anyway, I think these drawings are pretty good for someone who can't do art. And... Because isn't art subjective? Like, maybe this was his depiction of someone who can't draw. <laughs> like, there's so many ways. And I feel like he could explain this so well. <laughs> like, he could just, like, improv the shit out of, like, an explanation. I mean, he probably should have wrote better paragraphs on the pages to, like, explain. <laughs> but <laughs> his thesis is the struggle bus. <laughs> But, like, you could tell he put effort into it. Like, it wasn't just, like, a blob with, like, a little tail. Like, he he has details in there. And then I was wondering if he... <laughs> okay, this is where am I forgetting that they are in different schools again? Um, so, does he have to take art, or is he just there to be close to L? And then I'm just going to write read what I wrote. This is a stupid question because I now realize they don't even go to the same school. But <laughs> maybe he's doing it so he can talk to Elle about it later and be like, ugh, art was rough today. I couldn't get my gills where I wanted them. <laughs> That's what I just picture. He's like, I need to talk about art. So, and he's, he's always... Like, later he's into art. Like, he wants to go to the art museum. So, like... Absolutely. It's not like he doesn't care yeah like he looks at art he likes it probably because l loves it <laughs> but yeah yeah i no, just I don't appreciate the way that they made him feel in this scene because i think he they could have been more constructive with their criticism i'm just saying well you should complain about that teacher <laughs> I'm really bad at art. My, uh, I know this is a side note, but we had to do like these clay leprechaun sculptures and they called mine a drunk leprechaun because That's it was so up. bad. Actually, I don't think it was the school. I think it was my mom's ex-boyfriend, but uh, <laughs> he did look like a drunk leprechaun. I couldn't get the hair to stick on. Like nothing was like actually working. Art's rough. Art is rough. <laughs> I struggle with art. Art is rough. So Tao's doing his best. Uh, we get to see Olivia Coleman be very supportive of Nick, which nothing has changed. He's doing extremely well in school, according to his teachers, um, which is the opposite of what's going on with Charlie, apparently. Um, 
But she's, I love it when Olivia Coleman smiles at Nick. <laughs> because yeah. it's just always so cute. It's so like, You cute. can see the supportiveness and just like, you feel free to just say anything because she's just so supportive. And even if Nick wasn't doing well, I feel like she'd be still probably like, that's okay. We can work on that. <laughs> I feel like so that's cute. what she'd be like. Yeah, she's she's so sweet. I love his mom. I know. They have a beautiful relationship. Um, one of the moms we don't we see but don't get a lot at all about is Isaac's mom. So we see Isaac's mom is there, but we don't really get much. I'm again, I really want more of his story as well because I really want to know what his home life is like. Same. I would love to. I mean, we get to see his room that's just books everywhere, but that's about it in this season yeah i, I want to so, look more closely at his room too because i feel like there has too. to be something in there that sounds like a challenge i accept let's do it <laughs> uh last parents uh before we, we get into charlie to? i know is uh, we do because it's it's yeah why this character is the way they are so we get to see ben with his mom and his dad whether they're bio mom bio dad not sure but he's got two parents and he's just sitting there really smugly getting nothing but praise from his teacher. They're like, he had the highest GCC grades, great student, blah, 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 blah. And I will note that, like Ben, his dad just looks like a sleazeball of a person. He's just there with, like, open collar, no tie, smug expression that matches Ben. So for me, I get the impression that um, his father is somebody that ben is trying to emulate and ben's father looks like typical toxic masculinity type guy so i think that this is where ben's behavior really really comes from is this specimen of a role model that ben is living with i feel like ben's dad is probably an aggressive person who totally like forces himself onto his mom so like i definitely understand like how Ben is probably like, oh, my dad. And, like, very old-fashioned, like, the man of the house is who you look up to. Yeah. I feel bad for his mom. Yeah. And that's, and that's what I'm saying. Like, this woman that's here, stepmom, bio mom, not sure. But, yeah, that is that is the – I get that impression, too. Exactly. That is Random woman life. he found on the street and forced to come pretend to be his I don't know. I hope there's no human trafficking involved in this parent's day. <laughs> Um, but uh okay, so let's get to the biggest family dynamic in the show, which is Charlie. And uh, so Charlie's there with both of his parents, mom and dad. And according to his teachers, Charlie is on the struggle bus, um, and his grades have been slipping across all of his subjects, which was news to me. This just like happened. Um, and they're like, Well, Charlie seems really distracted. And of course, at that moment, Charlie looks over to Nick, who's having a good old time with Olivia Coleman, getting praised by his teachers. I mean, and I'm distracted by Olivia Coleman too. I would do. I, how could any of the other co- people be having conversations right now? But they are somehow. They're strong people, I guess. <laughs> um, but I think what this is highlighting, and this is something that Alice really wrote into the Nick and Charlie story, period. And what she's trying to show is that, like, you know, at the beginning, you know, in the first episode, Everything looked great from Charlie's point of view. He finally has his boyfriend that he always wanted. He has the love, he, romantic love he always wanted. So now everything is perfect because I got that one thing 
that according to fairy tales solves all of my problems if you have you know, the romantic love of your of your dreams that solves all your problems and alice very consciously with them is trying to show you that romantic love doesn't solve all your problems just because you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a partner it doesn't automatic that alone does not solve your problems and what's interesting is that in charlie's case it's actually causing new problems um because he's so fixated on making Nick's life perfect that he's neglecting his own well-being and he's slipping into these self-destructive behaviors like not performing well, like forgetting about school so he could just focus on Nick, which is the impression you get from the scene. I so, mean, yeah. He doesn't care about himself. And because of some things that he goes through that we'll find out later on, like that back that up but he then really messed him up getting publicly outed really messed him up but yeah to, to the bigger point here it's a romantic love doesn't automatically solve all your problems and so just because he's with nick everything's it creates not a lot of new ones right yeah it's creating new problems and so his and from this conversation it's very clear that that's what's happening and there's obviously tension between like charlie's parents uh, particularly his mom, who is a very overbearing and in like the books, a kind of a colder person who's not as like outwardly affectionate. Um, yeah, I don't really know what to think about her. She's kind of an enigma character, but she's very much described in the books and from Tori's point of view too as like being very not affectionate, period. Um, she's more of a detached person. Yeah. Um, and so on the car ride home, that tension kind of persists and Charlie's parents are kind of like, well, maybe you should, you know, you have a new boyfriend. Maybe that's distracting you. And you guys obviously spent those last two months doing nothing but seeing each other. Perhaps you guys should put some distance between you two to like, so you could focus on school. And Charlie's mom is the one who's like really hammering that home. Like it needs to be a complete ban. You need to stay away from Nick entirely until you get your schoolwork done. Which, I don't see where that's unreasonable, <laughs> to be honest. Like, but after school, you guys can't see each other until your assignments are all done. But no, she's, like, telling him that he's banned for, like, months. Isn't isn't that what it was? No, that's not where we're at now. In the car ride. Because, like, in, in the conversation with the teachers, they're like, you're, you still have your history paper that you were assigned a while ago. It's still not done. You're, you're not caught up in your assignments was the main crux of the conversation uh -huh. with the teacher and so the mom is like you need to a uh, complete ban from nick until you finish your assignments that this conversation okay. they, they revisit the conversation in another Got episode it. because charlie is not doing those things and at that point he was sneaking out and seeing nick and breaking the rules okay well then that's fair i understand right. that I thought it was just immediately no. banished from seeing him for no. until like after the semester or something. So, no, no, okay. No. That it escalates later uh -huh. because Charlie does not still well, doesn't. Then, okay. I agree with the mom. I think like, this is just a fair. Finish, fair. Exactly. It's like finish your homework before you go out and play. If that's exactly what this is. All right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, exactly. yeah, he needs to finish that freaking paper that takes oh my God. 25 paper, minutes to write. This is the weird, the paper is the one of the weirdest oh. things ever. <laughs> but Charlie, of course, doesn't take that well because he's not doing well <laughs> mentally. Um, and Nick, being with Nick is the, like, 
alone in their own little bubble in their little fantasy fairy tale is the thing that makes Charlie feel better. So without that, he kind of is spiraling and he doesn't communicate that to any of his parents because Charlie's not somebody who communicates those deep, dark feelings really easily. So it just, there's festering bad stuff happening with him. That's getting exacerbated by this ultimatum. His parents are basically giving him because they're like, you need to finish your schoolwork. What are you doing? Because yes, yeah, so I don't think it's unreasonable, honestly. Like, no, no. Now that I understand, no, it's not. I did have other. I probably wrote them down too, but now that I know that it wasn't what I thought. Damn, Nick and Charlie. Sorry. <laughs> Speaking of Nick, though, we'll just jump ahead. Okay. okay. So, meanwhile, at Nick's, uh, his brother David is home from uni. So we get to meet David. Um, and Nick described having a brother before, and he is described by Nick as a dick. So already that's not a good relationship. And Nick, understandably, because he knows what his brother's like, doesn't feel really comfortable having Charlie around anyway, because his brother can be act like a bully. So Charlie spirals more because he's like, Ugh, my parents are forcing me to stay away from you. And I just really want to come see you. Can I sneak out and come see you? And Nick's like, yeah, my brother's here. Who's an asshole. Do not come over here because it's going to put you in a worse mood. And so that doesn't go well. But meanwhile, at Nick's house, he, he gets bullied immediately by his brother because right off the bat, David is pestering Nick. He's like, do you have a girlfriend yet? Do you have a girlfriend yet? And like poor Olivia Coleman's background, like, just leave him alone, David. Leave him alone. There and are two types of older siblings. One who's very supportive and you're very close to. And then one like this. I I have one more like this one. And it, it sucks. It really sucks to have an older sibling who is, you hate being around. Yeah. And so why on earth would Nick want to offer up that information? Like, even if Nick had a girlfriend, why would he tell David? Yeah. Because like, you're an asshole. Why would I tell you this? I'm not going to share anything with you. And Nick's mom collaborates that where she's like, listen, you don't owe him anything. You don't owe him any any personal information about your life. Which I love. I love that. And it's so true. And, and that's kind of like one of the themes in this season also is just like part of what makes coming like coming out is really for other people. And like. Mm-hmm. Like you don't owe people personal information about your life. You owe them nothing. You it is up to you to share what you want to share. Like you don't owe people any information. So I do love that she says that to him. I know it's it's later. I just want to mention it real quick, but she does this with his dad too, and I just love it. Yes, because like, like it's so important to know like they don't deserve like especially if they're people that are not in your life and don't care about you. They don't deserve to know anything mm-hmm. about you. Yeah, exactly. You don't. And and in this context, too, because they're dad, brother, blood relations, you don't owe your family that information either. It is okay to set boundaries with family members like that is okay. Yeah. Which luckily media is portraying more and I'm really happy about it. Yeah, exactly. Like I like all the mental health kind of things that are sprinkled throughout this show. It's 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 important to see it portrayed in such a positive way and to like give those lessons to people. Mental health's done so nicely on uh, in front and behind the scenes. Like I love that they took mental health to heart and to really, really made sure everyone was okay and the representation there. 
Yeah, learning that from Pierre was really cool when we talked to him that like from before they even started anything like this show was like, we want to have this service and like they're very proactive about it because they deal with like part of the plot lines. It's becoming more apparent in season two, but a big, big, big heavy plot line is like the dark mental stuff that Charlie mm -hmm. goes through. So I think it was really smart that they did that, even when they didn't know they were getting those seasons that we're going to discuss those um, yeah, topic, I was surprised know? like they had it since the very beginning. Very I beginning. thought it was because they kept talking about that it was darker, so they they brought it in. But no, exactly, it was, and that's that's amazing. Yeah, agreed. Um, but when Charlie is texting Nick that he isn't allowed to see him, he erases. He's about to text that I'm sorry. Yes, and then this. he erases it and says, "I am so angry." So he is finally, even though he has issues like with his own feelings, like he really takes on other people's emotions, which yes. is why he was going to say, I'm sorry. He said, I am so angry. So he's acknowledging what he feels instead of just trying to apologize for everything. So he's really yes. starting to be assertive for himself. Yeah, that is such a good point. Oh, yeah, I, I love that part, too. It, it might have been easier for him to do that in a text, you know, where like Nick's not really directly in front of him. Um, and you, and you do get that opportunity to like, like you said, the reflex for Charlie is always, I'm sorry. Which like, if he was in person, he would have just said it versus like, I can erase that and say what I really mean. So I do love that scene. So now we have to go back to Imogen and Ben because they are a to. thing. <laughs> Uh, Theora wrote, ew. ew. I, I concur. Uh, but the very first time we see them together at the school, Ben isn't even looking at Imogen. No. It just shows how little he cares about her. He's always staring at Charlie. Always. Always. Like, or Nick with, like, hatred. Yeah. But usually they're together. Usually, yeah. So I feel like it's just, like, he likes Charlie so much he doesn't know how to contain himself. And it's just like, how does no one else? I mean, we do see like people do start like kind of noticing stuff, which oh. is great. But yeah, anyway. But like, it's it's obvious immediately that like Imogen's his beard. Yes. Like, I mean, he uses her as a beard. They're both beards. Let's be real. <laughs> yep. Just what she's is an an ally, quote unquote. <laughs> but, but to your point, he is staring at Nick in the scene, and or not staring at Nick, but Nick witnesses this and is as uncomfortable as we are <laughs> watching Imogen and Ben be a thing. I, I just don't see them together. Like, even if we didn't, we liked Ben. Even if we liked, I just. Yeah. I don't, I don't see it. Imogen deserves better. Oh my God. Literally. As an ally. I, I've screamed that so many times at the TV watching this. Imogen deserves better. <laughs> I uh, just, what well, I can picture you screaming this. And then, like, Julie's just in the kitchen cooking. You're like, what the hell? Who's <laughs> <laughs> Imogen? No, Julie said it. Um, but yeah, like for Nick, it's uncomfortable because it's Ben and he knows what Ben did to Charlie, mm -hmm. which is be a predator. And then Imogen's one of his closest friends, like hence the whole sleepover that was focused on Nick telling his closest friend. So it's like, 
uncomfortable on a lot of levels for Nick, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's uncomfortable just being in Ben's presence. Well, yes. And Imogen's plotline for me really highlights uh, found family, which is like another big plot or big theme in in mm-hmm. in heartstopper because you know with especially it's centered around mostly charlie's friend group that just keeps expanding um but emogen is like the perfect victim for ben because she's very much by herself you know she doesn't seem to have close friends yeah. aside from nick you can you know? she's I wouldn't say she's lonely, but, like, every time right. you see her, she's just so on the outs with everybody. Yeah. And I feel like she's just trying to find where she fits. And it's so, you know what, girl? You need to go to theater. Because I feel like that's where, like, wow. if you can't figure out where you fit in, just try theater. Because. You'd be good. All the misfits. You find yourself there. <laughs> I say with no personal experience whatsoever. No, not whatsoever. <laughs> But I think I don't I could see her. I could see her doing that. I can too. And, and I feel like that part of her plot line is so relatable to me. I always felt like that. Like I never had like a Charlie group of friends since I was a small child that were like fiercely loyal to each other. Like I felt very on the outskirts of other people for a lot of like my youth. So I, I do feel Imogen's journey. Like it, it is really hard to do. And to her credit, she's very much She's not on the level with Charlie where she, like, has a lot of self-hatred. It's very much the opposite with Imogen. She clearly respects herself and is actively trying to find her place, like you said. And for her, it almost is starting with, who do I date? And maybe it's because they're at that age where, like, that's the next step is, who do I date? I think, I believe I say this later, but they ben and imogen i feel like they're just like it's expected to have to be dating someone so this is the expectation of a teen for teenagers so and i totally understand that because i was like i mean i was not confident at all so i was like very against it but it's just like you think that that's what you're supposed to be doing if you're not Mm -hmm. you're a loser or something like that totally and and especially because like everyone's in a relationship and Poor yeah. Isaac. This is what he's witnessing as well. So I feel like Isaac and Imogen really need to talk more. I think those yeah. two could both of them. He he would do well in theater too. Like I feel like he'd just be oh, like yeah. that. Oh my god! Uh, like he'd be like the director. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or you know what? Um, I wouldn't say stage manager, but like the crew, like the yeah. technician. Yeah. I feel like he would do really yeah. well with that. He'd be good there. But yeah. yeah. They should, Alice, listen, season three, <laughs> let them talk to each other. I think they should, um, yeah, it's bringing this back full circle. They should put on a show. And, so, and not not like a big plot point, because like, that's not the show really, but like just as like a background thing, I feel like it'd be funny if they were like required to put on a show <laughs> for like one episode. <laughs> just the chaos that would ensue with this whole friend group. Instead of prom, it's like the spring play or whatever <laughs> of course it's at Truem because everything's at Truem yes because they get the budget they do but uh Truem isn't the only school so let's go over to Higgs and see what's going on so this year it's prom in this not year but this season big plot point is prom the Hig- Higgs girls are planning the prom 
And through this, we meet Sahar, which is our other new character. We've basically talked about this whole time. <laughs> we have covertly been talking about her because we ship her with Evagen. And she is a character from the from the books and does show up around this time. So she she is canon. Evagen is a new character, which is why I love where this goes so much because unplanned. Is she a buy in the books? I think so. I think so. I mean, everyone's queer. <laughs> everyone's queer, and that's the way it should be. Uh, but besides her being a bi queen in this episode, she's in charge with planning prom and feels in over her head. So she goes to the gays um, in Higgs, and she's like, can you guys help? And of course, Tara is like type A, and she's like, yes, I would love to. Um, and my girlfriend's like, you know, got her head in the clouds. So this would be perfect. Like, let's do it. Um, but Tara's not only excited about helping, she's really excited about the prospect of Darcy in a suit. And, um, I'm gonna hydrate the lesbian Jesus because, yeah, girl, women in suits. Yes. Cheers on that. Yep. I I would also like to see you two together with Darcy in a suit. That'd be really cute. But of course, that doesn't appease Darcy. She wants it more extravagant. And she's like, let's make it pirate themed. Okay. I love Darcy and all of her suggestions. I'm with her for this suggestion because of what Sahar says, because it's the gayest thing possible. And she's like, if I can bring a sword to prom, I'm totally up for it because women with swords. Like, hydrate for lesbian. I can't, can't drink anymore right now, but <laughs> we, we, if you've watched previous episodes, for us, a thing for swords. That's all it takes. It doesn't have to, there need, There doesn't need to be context. It doesn't need to make any sense. The aesthetic alone. <laughs> with swords. That's it. There is a, a Ooh, scene with a woman with a sword in uh, the show that I've been watching that you know of. And I thought about you immediately. <laughs> I literally cannot wait. Send me all the details. <laughs> it's, oh, okay. But we have been talking about this prom thing since the reaction video that we did of this episode. Um, because I remembered that prom is like an American thing. And I remember when hearing that it was like one of the first things where I'm like, oh, America's really different. And America just only knows America because of course we do. So I, this I did read up on and I have some info about the USA versus England prom debate that i had with myself Um, so prom did start in the u.s prior to the 2000s the uk had school discos and summer balls but nothing was as huge as a u.s prom now proms obviously america goes way too hard on it's in every tv show and movie it's ridiculous and I hate prom in itself, but listen, as somebody who went to a prom, they're not that big of a deal. I don't understand why it is the focus point for high school. They're not that great. I don't know if we all talked about our prom experience, but I know I talked about it with, um, no. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. Sapphire. And when we were watching the prom, yeah, when we watched the prom and yeah, so go watch that if you want to know about my prom experience. Because also a good movie. Yeah, 
great movie. Yes. Music. Anyway. Yes. So the U.S. media made proms become a thing in the U.K. Uh, because <laughs> apparent, I, I guess our media is very apparent in other countries, whereas it's not yeah. the same the other way around, which is why I'm learning about <laughs> England right now. <laughs> because it doesn't go both ways, unfortunately, but we're going to change that. Uh, but according to this article that I read from 2004, parents weren't too thrilled about it, mostly because of the cost and that they're, yeah. it was because their kids are watching TV and movies. And that's why it's a thing now. They hated that they were like getting it from Americans. <laughs> and another thing that like really confused the shit out of me was that it was in July. And so in the US, proms are usually in May, sometimes June, but usually May, before the end of school. And exams, like you're not even done school, you're go and you go to prom. Yeah. But in the UK, it's after the GCSEs are finished in June and July. See, to me, that makes more sense because it's like a celebration that everything's over versus America. It's like, let's celebrate now. I and get then suffer after. <laughs> I get <laughs> why they would do. <laughs> yes, I know. It's like everybody's so focused on prom that they're not studying. <laughs> right. That's what I mean. Like, it seems silly. At the same point, like, school's over, and it's a school-sanctioned event, so I don't really understand why they would put on an event after school's out. Also, I don't think their breaks are, like, our breaks, where our breaks are, like, three months. Like, they're usually Mm. off for, like, a shorter period of time, and then they come back to school. So school's almost, like, more, like, year-round, because the breaks are divided and shorter, too. Really? Mm-hmm. So someone not from America or who's lived there needs to like explain everything. School. School, school <laughs> one for us. We're trying really hard. Like but I have prom- good research. Like I'm trying to learn. The prom thing is really interesting because the same thing happened with Halloween. So that was an American thing that only happened in America. And then it became popular in other parts of the world because of media and the way it like spread around and other places do Halloween the way we do it with like dressing up and getting candy. Which so that wasn't my thing. point that I have always said that media has the power to change the world. It does. Media, Art is important. Not the way we want to change the world. But yeah so now everyone has to beg for candy every october and you have to spend like 400 dollars for prom yeah notice it's always things that cost money that's why everybody's like fuck you america <laughs> capitalism i was about to say communism i'm like that's not it <laughs> communism, communist, like, i mean is there anything more communism than halloween it's just you just share candy with people <laughs> regardless of who you are I was like, that's not the right C word. <laughs> uh, I have no transition out of C word. So let's just go back to Ellen Tower. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> and we'll get through them. So they're still at this point on the outs with their feelings. Um, but Ella's talking about it more with her friends. And she's still, she's getting cl- conflicting advice. Like Darcy is like, go for it. Tara's like, no, no, girl, keep your distance. And Sahara's like, there's a boy. <laughs> She's just kind of entering this friend group. <laughs> so I find that exchange really funny. Oh my god. To enter this friend group, they're just like, it has to be so difficult because totally, they're like so tight knit. 
Yeah, but which makes it more and more amazing the way Tara and Darcy kind of jumped in. Because, like, think about it. They've only known Elle for, like, a few months. And they're already, yeah. like, very in the group. So, yeah. So, Tara's going to fit in great. But I, lo- I just love that exchange. I found it really funny. Um, but ultimately, Elle is really trying to figure out what to do. Like, trying to figure out her college situation. And she wants to go after Lambert Art School. And is really focusing her attention there even though she knows it's gonna it's gonna put her distance between her and Tao but if she's trying to shut these feelings off maybe that'll be a good thing so she's kind of like grappling with all of that and it's proud of her for not changing her dreams for a guy yeah totally which she easily could have done Mm -hmm. um and for Tao he can see that Elle is really slipping away into this art college world um and it's making him sad and Tao's mom can see that too. Uh, she is their ship captain, by the way. She ships she, the two of them so hard since season one. Yes, she's so cute about that. She's them. so cute. Uh, but right before, uh, Theora and I had like a slight little break, and we were talking about uh, subtitles in oh, watching it. So, this is if you have the subtitles on, I don't think you can really hear it, but you can read it. If the subtitles on. So while Elle and Tao are texting, the group is talking about a photo booth, but there's no budget for it. So they're trying to figure out, they're like, we could just have a box. <laughs> but oh, I didn't hear that. <laughs> something like that. You can hear that in there, but this is the line. So Darcy says, Well, we could make Elle paint everyone instead of photos, then it's free. having to sit there painting everyone she just becomes the like prom caricature artist and i was like i couldn't figure out who actually says it but i think it was darcy because it makes sense no that's definitely a darcy line sahara doesn't know these people she doesn't know Elle can draw and darcy's already offering up his free labor to replace an actual photo booth and it's free (laughs) yeah no that's such a darcy line Girl, you gotta pay for the paint. What are you talking about? It's not free. <laughs> you gotta pay L. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. So the prom planning is off to a fantastic start <laughs> per that line. Yes. Um, but unfortunately, we have to leave prom planning and we head over to <clears throat> what's going on with the GCSEs. So we're back to silent study hall with Nick and Ben paired up because, of course, they are. And, um, because of these GCSEs, uh, Charlie is, um, they Charlie and Nick can't see each other as much because Nick is really has to focus on these big exams. Also, Charlie has a has a band, so like they're not meeting in form anymore. So like in school, they see each other less than they normally would have. So it's like kind of exacerbating that condition, which so Nick doesn't seem to be struggling with. Charlie no. definitely struggling with. Nick is just like, all right, we have to do what we have to do right yeah and nick is in a better mental place than charlie so charlie's like all of these factors are making charlie spiral and so what charlie does in this episode is he's like okay let me devise a clever way to see nick somehow so he manages to get this is ridiculous he manages to get stupid and so stupid he manages to get into this gcse study hall by someone convincing Mr. Farouk that he has Nick's only pen and has to return it to him. Meanwhile, like, I'm what? sure that Nick has something in his hand. 
Yeah, Nick is already in study hall. It's like day two of this. He has a pen with him. Like, what is this? Also, you cannot convince me that Mr. Farouk would not just be like, all right, I will give it to him because it's a freaking pen. Correct. Why does Charlie have to deliver it to Nick? And then they proceed to have like a three minute conversation. Like, it doesn't take three minutes to give somebody a pen. No. And to your point, in what universe is Mr. Farouk going to let this happen? Like, Mr. Farouk is the most strict teacher we've met at the school. Yeah. What is this? (laughs) I don't understand this concept. I get that we're showing that Charlie's so desperate to see Nick. But how does this... This scenario doesn't actually play out based on these characters. better thing would be to do... There is an emergency for Charlie... Nick. Oh my god. Nick. (laughs) Like... And... We, I he needs a phone to take a phone call to so pull him out of the study hall thingy. Yeah, not give him a pen. a pen. Yeah, and then to have a conversation. So, but sure, that happens. I get that it's cute and they want to see each other, but sure, suspend the disbelief for how that actually went down. He, I think there's two reasons this had to happen. it's one because cute stuff and then two because ben sees it i think that's the the big thing here so of course once nick has his only pen back and he goes and sits down with two pens now he has two yeah he has to hide the other (laughs) pen he was already using ben of course has to immediately cannot help himself and starts taking digs at nick and so because he's like, oh yeah, stop being so gay maybe in public and people won't think you're dating or whatever. Like snide bullshit like that. Because Ben cannot help himself. Because like you said, he keeps staring at Charlie. He obviously has some residual feelings. He handled that like a dumpster fire. And he's pissed off that Nick has what he wants. And has the courage to like be somewhat open about it and at least talk to Charlie in public. The audacity. And so Nick is not having any of this bullshit from ben and basically calls him a predator which yeah like he basically calls him out he's like you you assaulted him i watched Mm -hmm. you and you're just a predator like fuck off and while that is all valid mr farouk overhears them because they're talking in the silent study hall and he remembers who he is yeah (laughs) yeah he's like oh yeah that's right i made strict rules that nobody should be talking so you guys keep breaking those rules So here's what we're going to do now. Now you're going to leave and everybody can silent study for this big exam. And I'm going to put you two in a locked room together, sitting next to each other. Kill each other. Don't kill each other. Whatever. And he leaves. I, you said they sit next to each other. There are at least three desks in this room. Yep. With dividers. Yep. Okay. So (laughs) Nick sits at the very furthest one. It's closest to the door. Which means that Ben is the one who chooses to sit next to him. Yeah. I'm assuming to just piss him off. Because he doesn't want anyone to be happy since he will never be allowed to come out. Yeah. He's just, he is just, again, he's one of those guys that seems to be common with men in particular, but it's not limited to men. 
who just don't know how to process I'm just that's who Ben is who can't process his own feelings it's because he cannot process his feelings he puts it onto other people points it out and then makes fun of them he wants them to feel what he's feeling so I think he's trying to make Nick feel like shit when it comes to Charlie the way he does so your point is absolutely correct. He, he chose to sit next to Nick to piss off Nick. Like, he was doing that completely on purpose. I need... I just want Ben. I want to like Ben. But we can't. He's the misery. I I feel like he's the tra- he's a tragic character to me. He is. Yeah, I mean, you explain him more to me later in the series, and... I understand more, but his behavior is highly unlikable. <sighs> yeah. He's how he got the misery name. So then we get a Nick and misery comparison when they start talking to each other. Because Ben cannot throughout very consistently throughout the whole show, Ben cannot own up to his bad deeds. Like he just can't. He can't own the fact that he was wrong. He verbalizes many other excuses of what's going on rather than looking inward to be like, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. He does not do that at all. <laughs> so his what part of the conversation he's like, oh, because uh, Ben Nick's like, oh, so you just moved on to Imogen real quick. And I'm afraid that you're with Imogen because she's my friend. And Ben's like, oh, I'm not allowed to like girls and boys. Like he thinks that that's the problem versus like, uh, you were a predator to Charlie, and like, I'm afraid you're going to do that to Imogen. And, he's and like, you're already well, treating her like shit. Totally. Exactly. Like, again, Ben doesn't take any of the responsibility. He's just like, what? It's because I can't be, like, bisexual, too. Is like, I'm just reframing it. But, like, and, like, for Nick, I think that these lines that Ben's giving in this conversation are a little bit triggering because I think the comparison has always been there, at least for Nick, uh, maybe Charlie, too, between himself and Ben because they're you know both like Charlie but they're both having these secret relationships with Charlie um to Nick's credit he doesn't want this to be a secret too because he's ashamed and wants to hide Charlie the way Ben did but I can see the way Nick can feel like wow I'm, I'm doing the same thing to Charlie and I'm hurting Charlie even though I don't mean to um because he he knows how how much ben really messed up charlie not just like the assaulting stuff but like it's it's very nick watches charlie like a hawk and it's very evident anytime he's around ben like he shrinks like charlie really shrinks and gets inward and it clearly upsets him and i think on some level nick is afraid that he's you know a lot like ben in a bad way even though he's he's not but i think i can see where nick would think that you know Nick goes into bodyguard mode every time Ben's around for not even just Charlie for Imogen yeah. too, which we see later. But oh, Ben's effect on the group. Yeah, I mean, and again, it, the, at the core of it, like you said, Nick, Nick really is looks out for other people and their best interests, whereas Ben's entire thing is he just looks out for himself and his own, you know, self interest. Which is why even when they bring up Imogen. Ben automatically makes it about himself, not about Imogen, which is really telling about where his head is. Yeah. Yeah. So after the pen incident, Nick and Charlie do manage to see each other despite the ban because Charlie keeps breaking the rules. Yeah, it's all Charlie's fault. It's 
I know it's Charlie's a little instigator, and they... and Nick's happy to see him, but he's just like you stuck out again. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> what are you, what are you doing? Um, so they make plans to meet at a neutral ground because Nick's house still has David the homophobe in it. So they meet out at the park, and like Nellie gets to come. So Nellie, Nellie gets to come, <laughs> and it's really cute. And they like play with the dog, and like. The start of like Nick being the person in the relationship who just is the photo historian who takes all the photos. Anytime Charlie does something cute, Nick's like, I'm gonna take a picture. I'm gonna take a picture. It kind of like starts to get obvious here when uh, Charlie's playing with Nellie and it's really cute. And another thing that comes up here or starts at least is the theme of uh, Charlie stealing Nick's hoodies which that was in the book too. And it's really funny because at one point Nick's like, I, uh, that is the only hoodie you haven't taken for me and I need it. It's like winter. <laughs> so like, <laughs> but it is a cute, it is a cute thing. And, and a very like, you know, speaking of Charlie, so Charlie likes, likes the hoodie because they're bigger on him. He, he talks about this in the book. They're bigger on him and they smell like Nick. And so they're, it's very like, comforting for him. And, and he keeps doing it, I think in this season and they made it more obvious. It's because, that's uh nick is his kind of like comfort and so when they can't see each other like that's a way for charlie to cope with like the bad mental stuff that's going on with him is by like having a piece of nick with him even when they're apart so i think that's kind of why we start seeing that here in this scene nick needs library rules where like you can only have certain amount at a time he has to bring them back in two weeks and then you can just keep checking stuff out (laughs) i think in the books uh Charlie gives them back when they don't smell like Nick anymore. <laughs> like it kind of is like an internal, like you could borrow for three weeks and then bring back. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so despite all the cuteness that's happening, Nick is understandably stressed out about these exams because they mean a lot, particularly math, which I think he's not the strongest in, I assume. And of course, like Nick is just being like, this is how I feel about this exam I have to take. Charlie immediately internalizes Nick's feelings and is immediately like, let's fix it. Um, I'll study with you. It's like, Charlie, you you just got like banned from going to Nick's house because you're not focusing on your schoolwork. And here you are jumping headfirst into Nick's schoolwork because he feels stressed out about an exam you're supposed to feel stressed out about. Relatable. <laughs> I would dub that type of person. <laughs> but they should really do work together. Correct. And like, like Charlie doing his own work while Nick is doing his own work, not yes. Charlie doing Nick's work. Yeah. Or, so he's again, this do is each like, other's work. And then, yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's awesome. Charlie takes the GCSEs early. But uh, again, it's just a continuation of Charlie just ignoring himself to focus on Nick. Um, And then they make out for a bit because it's been two days. And we haven't kissed in two days. (laughs) It's always two days. Always two days. What's with the two? Like, is there a significance of this two-day thing? Not that I'm aware of, but that seems to be their marker, or at least for Charlie, when it's like, it's been too long. It's like been two minutes. It's been two days. <laughs> well, now the clock restarts for two days. 
And as Charlie's walking home, Nick, with the photo collection that he has, starts posting them on Instagram. And as the season goes, they start getting bolder and bolder, like what he's posting and what he's writing. So in this one, he posted a photo like, of Nick, of his, Charlie with an Ellie. His is all Charlie. <laughs> oh my God, I know. the photo, His photo album, it's literally just Charlie. Which, yeah, if David ever got that, game over. <laughs> but uh, he posts a photo of Charlie playing with Nelly, and the caption he writes is, I think Nelly loves him. Well, yeah, Nelly loves everybody. Maybe right, not Nick? David. Is, oh, it, wait. is it Nelly that loves him, Nick? Is it? Nelly mm-hmm. loves everyone, like you said. You tell it on yourself there, buddy? Actually, Nelly doesn't like everyone, which I make a point later. Oh, you're right. I mean, but nobody likes this person. Yeah. <laughs> And I like when Charlie sees the sees the Instagram post and then he gets his little happy rainbow walk that's all swirly. Cause like Charlie needs some happiness and like happy thoughts. So I'm glad he got this. It looks really cute. It's cute. I love the way they do the rainbow. It's like a pastel rainbow too. Yeah. It's just like it it looks more dreamy yes like yeah and like he's living the fairy tale i've got the beautiful boy that loves me and is posting me on his it was just him on the instagram and, and it's kind of like yay i, got I feel my like perfect a romance. song could play here i feel like a taylor swift song could have played anywhere <laughs> but here would be good <laughs> i would like to see it it wasn't upbeat like happy like walking on clouds sounding kind of song that was playing in the scene which makes sense the music in the show is phenomenal um they do I'll talk more about in this show. Music and other episodes. Yeah, it's really it's been consistent from season one to season two, also. The music is just really good. All right. So let's go back to Elle. So Elle, uh, because again, she's trying to get into this uh art school Lambert. Uh she goes to this like sixth form opening event for I guess all the year elevens that are considering going here for like college. And I'm it's not even a gonna really- ask. <laughs> I'll look, I will do research later. <laughs> it's a really big school. And so she's doing a tour through kind of like some of the studios, I guess, where the students are painting something environmental themed, I think is what they say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Because she gets the advice to do something like that. Because... Yes. Yeah. And so part of L right now. I think she's... it's global warming. Yes, I think you're right. I think it's global warming. And so Elle, part of Elle is like really thinking about this, but she hasn't really been inspired to make any art because, you know, I guess part of their submit, their uh, application is submitting like a portfolio with their work. And so because she hasn't decided yet, she hasn't really started anything. So she meets uh, Naomi, uh, who's another trans girl, and they start kind of talking about like their applications and the fact that neither of them has actually started their <laughs> submission. <laughs> But uh, we meet Naomi and then we meet Felix, who's, I guess, Naomi's other friend. So these are the new kind of queers. Uh, And Felix is a disabled character, which is really fantastic um, because there aren't enough disabled representation, especially in like queer media. Oh, yeah. There's no. I can think of Margarita with a straw and that's about it. And then usually if there's like a disabled character in a wheelchair, it's like that same actress right if you i mean she's great but <laughs> they use her in like everything oh and then i guess l word gen q did have a 
disabled character. I didn't. I've only seen a few episodes. But that's all I, can, all I can think of off the top of my head. So I really enjoy feeling... I wish we got more of it. These characters are both not in the books because we don't get to see Elle going through the journey of Lambert. It just mentioned... We should um, see them more next season. I hope should. so. Yeah, when, when she goes. That'd be great. They're really cool. And immediately it's like she found people she clicks with while she's trying to figure this out. And one of the moments I really love is when Naomi and Elle are looking at a piece of art and they start talking about one of the reasons they really want to go to Lambert, which is, a again, a school there. Neither of them are at now. They would strictly be going there for college. It's like a new start. And and Naomi says um, she she's she, one of the reasons she wants to go to Lambert is because here she can just be Naomi, not be known as she is now at her school as the trans girl. And she's like, do you know what I mean? And Elle's like, yeah, I really do. And this is why I really want Elle's story because, yeah, like, imagine that. Like, you're, you're going through this kind of big change and you're just forever known by the thing you did, not who you are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, here they can just be themselves. They don't have to be, like, defined by their transition or, like, the process they went through or things like that. Where people will only see that and not see all of them, you know? I loved seeing Elle at the school, even yeah. though she, you don't see her there that much. Like it's, but like this first time you see Elle fit in immediately yeah. with everyone. Like she looks so happy. And even at, like she does have Tara and Darcy at her school, but it took her a little while, like to a point where a teacher's like, I'm going to find you a buddy. But like this one, she I know friends instantly because she's around people who she relates to. And uh, it shows that the school is going to be a better fit for her. And I'm really excited to see how she grows even more. Yeah. No, I, I cannot agree more. I think, yeah, it's, it's very beautiful for everything you just said. But of course, we have to go back to Truem because everything centers around Truem. And after the maths the maths GCSE happens. Nick confronts Imogene about Ben. And this has to be a really hard conversation because obviously Nick wants to protect his friend that he's known forever. But like he can't explain why really because Nick is not the kind of person who's going to out Ben even if it means protecting Imogene from Ben. Because she's like, well, what did he do? And he's like, well, bad stuff. He did really bad stuff, you know? But, I mean, I don't think it's fair for Nick to say anything. Because, I mean, like, he can't tell her. So, she can't really take his word for it. Because how is she going to make her own opinions if he can't even say what it was? Yeah, I, that's true. I think Nick is really worried about the fact that, you know, in season one where Charlie, he, like, assaulted Charlie. I think mm -hmm. he's afraid that... Ben is going to assault Imogen in private when nobody can help her. I think that's what he's afraid. And he's really afraid about that possibility. But yeah, to, it, it sounds like he's coming out of, out of the blue with nothing to just be like, just stay away from him because I'm your friend and I said so. And I think he was really banking on that. But yeah, from Imogen's perspective, she's like, where is this coming from? I've seen no evidence of this. No one has told me anything because Ben is really good about keeping his bad deeds hush-hush. So like, Rest yeah, assured, Ben barely even looks at Imogen. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
And but I think Imogen's so wrapped up in like, oh, I have a boyfriend that she doesn't notice that about Ben. And I think Ben mm -hmm. capitalizes on that. But the thing about what I think is really big here is it shows Nick's character. Like Nick is not gonna out Ben. He, that Nick's not gonna do what was done to Charlie. Like he easily could have just outed him right in here to, for a good reason to help Imogen, but he doesn't. And if the roles were reversed, and this was Ben and Imogen having a conversation, Ben wouldn't hesitate. He would just out Nick immediately if it meant he would get what he wanted. Um, and so Imogen understandably does not take this really well. And this is where we get like kind of what we were talking about earlier, like the truth of it all where like Imogen like expresses, she's like, look, I don't have a lot of friends. Like we've been friends forever, but like beside from you, I don't really have any friends. And I've known Ben for a really long time. We're friends. So I can trust him. Like I'm not going to alienate one of my other friends just because you're telling me to like, and just like in general, she needs better friends. I feel like she doesn't really have the concept of friends. Yeah. She's saying they're friends, but she's really not friends with any, she's acquaintances with all these people, but yeah. being yeah. friends is something different. And when you are on the outside of everything, it's really hard to figure out what a friend is. And I think that sleepover is like the first time we do see her start to make friends. Yeah, no, I agree with you. That's a great way to frame it. She needs, she needs a, she needs a, a support system. And I think because she doesn't have one, that's why she's appealing to Ben. So like predators like that, they want people who are isolated and alone and don't have anyone because that's less interference from Ben's point of view to getting what he wants, which is a girlfriend that's going to do be his beard, do whatever he says. So it's just sad. Emma Jean deserves better. And she, I want her to really solidify with the rest of the friend group, you know? Mm-hmm. And she needs a girlfriend. I'm just saying. Yes, I'm, I'm just, just I'm reading, I'm I'm just like reading your last slide. I was like, if you don't say it, I'm going to go back and we're going to say it. <laughs> Line. It says Imogen needs better friends. Dot 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 and a girlfriend. She does. <laughs> well, Imogen even says it later. It'd be so much easier. I'm like, yeah, girl, it'd be easier for me too if you were the women. <laughs> they would treat you better. <laughs> Meanwhile, it well, else. Yeah. She just needs better friends, period, though. But I like that you said that. The acquaintance thing. It's very true. That that's that that is the impression I get from Imogen too. Like she's very it's surface level with people. She doesn't have anybody she's deeply connected with even the, the boyfriends that she ends up having you know same thing yeah. so it doesn't seem it doesn't seem weird to her like the ben stuff he's like he doesn't really pay attention to me that doesn't seem weird because i feel like maybe she's used to that with her quote-unquote friends you know i really hope in season three we see her get close to sahar like not even just for like as girl i just want her to get close to somebody and get to know them and like have someone understand her so deeply like all these other characters have yeah i would love if isaac was thrown in there too like you suggested yeah. also i feel like they could bond about stuff maybe she reads we don't know but yeah ugh. okay well so then we shoot on over to l's house so we get to see l's parents who are the cutest and her house totally looks like a house that an art prodigy would grow up in you know what i mean there's like cultural art all over the place there's lots of colors like her parents are seem super it's not chill. cold at all. no it's not what i would imagine ben's house would look like 
And the reason we're there is because Elle is getting ready to go clubbing with the Lambert queers and Tao comes to visit. And but hold on, before Tao even gets there, um, her mom's telling her, don't you oh. think that outfit's a little too short? I'm like, yes, I agree. <laughs> First of all, that outfit was like so tidy and short. <laughs> I agree. And girl, if you're going to go club it, like be careful. Also, is it a cold? <laughs> I can't figure out the weather because everyone, there's like half has I long sleeves on and half has short sleeves and shorts on. And I'm it's like, what, how, <laughs> what is the weather? What is, what is England? It's in Paris, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, Paris was even more confusing. I agree. Because of the cold. Yeah. Um, anyway, so while that's happening, yeah, we get to meet Elle's mom a little bit more closely. And may I say that, like, the women of this family are so stylish. Like, they have some of the best wardrobe. And I see where Elle gets her fashion sense from. And I love that it's the mom who, spot who spots Tao. And she's like, your boy is here. <laughs> So their parents ship them so hard and it's the cutest thing ever. The reason that Tao comes to visit is because he feels like he's been acting weird around her because he has been because he's he's trying not to act weird but he's acting weird because he's trying. And so <laughs> he can't he's just try. Like, <laughs> I know. Just be weird. I know. Poor Tao. But he's doing his best to like be like, no, we're still friends, right? So he's like, let me, let's just. I thought I'd come here. We can hang out like we used to, basically. Um, but Elle's very much like, no, I'm, I'm going to go do this thing with these new people that I met from the art school, and I'm sad that she didn't invite him. But I like, I get why, you know, she's this is her own thing, um, and she's exploring her new life. So I totally get it. But just, I can see where he would take it as like, a, oh, like if if we were still friends, you'd invite me to the new thing a little bit, but. I understand why that didn't happen. I just don't really think he'd like it anyway. Like he would go just to spend time with her and and like because like he she asked him like he'll do anything for her. But I feel like he would rather just like stay in with Elle yeah. and have a backyard date. I mean, he definitely would. He he's the he's the dinner and a movie kind of guy. Obviously. Yeah. I still, we, I still think that their their date should be, like, back of a pickup truck with a white sheet outside with lights all around and a protector. That would be really cute. Yeah, and like, oh, there's like, just like pillows in the back yeah. of the truck. Like, it'd be really cute. That would be. Well, where were you when Town needed help figuring out the whole <laughs> date? Caitlin, what the hell? <laughs> also, does anybody have a pickup truck in England? Not as I don't know. Is that a very good thing? It's not as common. All right, that would be an SUV. It's like one of those small cars. And they just like open the door. Back of like, a you know, Mini Cooper. <laughs> All right, we can do it on the ground as well. I mean, yeah, just a little more bugs, <laughs> more butterflies. butterflies. That's a thing. Yeah. Just be so Meanwhile, at Nick's. So Nick finishes his math GSCSE and he doesn't feel super confident about it because he doesn't like that subject, I'm assuming. And so Charlie comes to cheer him up, breaking his parents' rules again to, to come cheer up Nick. And it's not like he's just came to see him for a hot second to give him a hug and cheer him up a little bit. No, they had time to like watch a whole ass movie and Charlie fell asleep during it. So like, it's been a while, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but so... They watch a Marvel movie. 
Is it canon in the book that he doesn't like Marvel movies? Like, yes, that this okay. is a direct scene from from the the books. Because, like, if you look at Nick, Nick's your typical like guy. So if he likes Marvel, Charlie does not like it, and he straight up falls asleep during a Marvel movie. Because thing. I think someone commented pointing out that it's ironic that he doesn't like Marvel movies since he's in a Marvel show in real life. Do you know what show Joe's in? Yeah, he's gonna be in the Agatha spinoff from WandaVision. Oh, I'm so excited for that one. They're already done filming, but it's got pushed back even yeah. like longer. I'm oh, so excited for it. And it's so going cool. through name changes though. So because it used to be like Coven of Chaos and Yeah. Or is that the new one? Something I don't remember. it used to be like darkness of something. I'm excited for that. I didn't know Joe was gonna be in that. That's really exciting. Yeah, I just found out. But yeah, that's not a, a, di- a dig at Joe. It is a... That was from the... That's I think the, his character's supposed to be queer in that one as well. God, I hope so. I want Agatha to be queer. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, was it that? <laughs> All right. Either way, like something has to happen so we can talk about it. All right, so yeah, we'll definitely talk about it. If anything, just for Joe. Oh, that's <laughs> exciting. All right, cool. Okay, so important things that happen during this scene. One of the most important things is that Marvel movie's over. Nick's like, enough, you fell asleep. Uh, and he's like, do you want some food? And Charlie says, no, I'll eat at home. So put a put a pin in that. So instead, he's like, give me some tea because I'm, I'm 80 years old. So oh, <laughs> they're like grandpa. that's why. <laughs> well, like Charlie, Charlie totally has grandpa energy because he always wears sweaters because he's somebody who's always cold. This is a can of thing. So he's okay. always in sweaters. And then he likes his tea like 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 an old man. So it is, it is endearing and cute. And so Nick goes to make him tea. And while that's happening, his asshole brother David takes advantage of Nick being gone to interrogate Charlie. Because we, uh, David already had seen that Charlie on Nick's phone is the heart. who they're like, who he's basically dating. So yeah. when he finds out that uh, Charlie is Charlie, then that he puts it together. But here's another good example of put the subtitles on every once in a while because I didn't notice this. But when David walks into the room, Nellie growls at him. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's bad if Nellie's growling at you. Yeah, and I was just like, damn. So, yeah, I'm keeping subtitles on forever now. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love that Nellie did that. <laughs> they're having a cute moment together, too, where Charlie's just, like, playing with Nellie. He's like, you're so cute. You're so cute. <laughs> He's like, David fucking ruins it. So yeah, David puts it together that they're dating. And of course, Nick comes in as David's interrogating Charlie. And he's like, get the fuck out of my room. And then like all hell breaks loose because David's an asshole. Yes. And it gets to the point where they end up like going downstairs, like fighting. And Charlie is clearly like freaking out as this fight starts in Nick's room. Because Charlie immediately is like, this is my fault because I'm here. Not seeing the writing on the wall that, like, David's a dick. And Nick has been saying that consistently the whole time, which is why you haven't been at his house. Not just because of the ban. It's because David is just like this. And when they get to the bottom of the stairs, like, Olivia Coleman has to interfere and, like, break this up. But David really, it's really sad because as his older brother, what's coming from him should be, perceived by nick as like even more harmful because it's like your brother that's supposed to love you and he's throwing biphobic shit onto his 
brother. And I feel like, unfortunately, this is likely a reality for, you know, bisexual people, bisexual men, maybe more so that like his brother's just like, why can't you just admit you're gay? Like, like, if you're going to be gay, just say you're gay. Like, don't pretend you're bisexual and stuff. And he like refuses to accept that like, that is who Nick, Nick is, you know, like, pick so a side. People who are bi. Because, like, the amount of people who are just like, I don't believe in bisexuals. I'm like, what the hell? And they're not fucking, like, unicorns. Like, what do you mean you don't Even, believe? Even, like, the community. <laughs> people. Is- what? <sighs> it's ridiculous. And to have it come from your own brother is really super, super fucked up. You know? Yes. Um, one part I do like in the scene is that when Nick first comes into the room and David's there, the first thing he does is put the T's down and he looks at Charlie and goes, are you okay? Like, I love that that's his first move. It's just like, is Charlie okay? Because I know my brother's an asshole. (laughs) This is protective boyfriend, but oh, he's the cutest. And so as nobody possibly could have expected, Charlie gets home and his mom's pissed. Because it's, like, super late and he was grounded to begin with. And so this is the part, Caitlin, I think that you were thinking of earlier. At this point, this is when his mom's like, you're grounded until the end of the term. Mm -hmm. Because the original conditions were, until you finish your schoolwork that you're behind on, you can see Nick after that. Now he's breaking that rule and going to see Nick anyway and coming home late when he's not supposed to be out. So his mom's like, you're grounded until the end of the term. So Charlie's really pissed and he storms back up to his room and his dad stops him and asks if he would like dinner to which Charlie says, I ate it Nick's. And he did not eat it Nick's. If we recall, he refused food from Nick and said, I'll eat it at home. So this is the start of Charlie's like eating disorder being hinted at, or at least that is starting up for Charlie again. Uh, so something I noticed in this is that his mom is really obsessed with his grades, but his dad doesn't seem to be as much, like, he doesn't, like, get upset about anything, but his dad looks genuinely concerned about Charlie when he comes home because he just doesn't look good, like, he doesn't look okay, and I feel like his dad probably doesn't agree with the mom in everything because... But I mean, like, again, at the point, I thought that the mom was, like, really strict from the beginning, but it wasn't like that. Um, but I don't th- I don't think the dad would step in anyway. Yeah, and that I think that reads true in the show and then in the books, too, because both of their children have serious mental health issues going on. And, like, the parents don't seem to notice, intervene, or really care. They seem more detached from their children. Then, like, if you compare, like, their, the Springer family to, like, the Nelson family, where, like, Olivia Coleman and Nick seem way more on the same page, and she seems to notice more things about Nick than, like, his parents do. Because, like, remember in season one where, like, Nick and Charlie first started hanging out, and he first mentions her, him to Olivia Coleman, and she's like, I've noticed you seem more like yourself around him. Mm -hmm. You know, so, like, his mom is more observant of his health well-being. The Springer parents are not like that is pretty consistent. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's it, the mom is seems much more detached than the dad, and it's all the kids. It's not just Charlie. Like reading Tori's book, like it's the mom just seems like that in general. 
which maybe she has mental health stuff going on too. And just, we don't learn about the parents, but yeah, either way, Charlie's like, you know, is going under the radar in terms of the fact that there's something deeply going on with him and nobody is catching it at this point. Nobody, not even Nick, because Nick is distracted with his exams right now. Mm -hmm. and, so, his and his freaking brother. And his freaking brother. And honestly, it's not Nick's job to like do this. Like you, like Charlie's family is not supporting him right now because they're not, well, Charlie's not communicating, but also like they're not picking up on what's going on with him either. Like you said. Tori is though. Tori, Tori is much more observant about Charlie, but even she, and but this is she the doesn't point. in as much. Like she just like observe until the point where she has to, and that that's in solitaire also. Like she doesn't intervene with Charlie, even when moments when she feels like she should, she doesn't. Um, but yeah, she's she's more supportive of Charlie and the fact that she notices him and his mental health decline than his parents do. Um, and then, okay, so, so to exacerbate the whole thing and to kind of bring this on home, so they start, the Nick and Charlie start texting, um, and Nick's like, hey, I should have told my brother sooner, I'm sorry I didn't tell him, that's part, because, like, that's partially why this whole thing blew up. And then, of course, Charlie immediately starts blaming himself. He's like, I'm sorry this was my fault for coming over, and the one that hurts the most for me is, like, I should have stood up for you against your brother. So Charlie's blaming himself for the fact that, like, he didn't intervene and get in the middle of the, the brothers when they were fighting. And it's like, Charlie, sweet baby. Like, that's not your, that's not your, you can't fight all of Nick's battle, but, but he just seems to have it in his head that like, I can protect Nick. I have to, I have to be the, you know, knight in shining armor for him at all times. Like, it's like, Charlie, who's your knight in shining armor? Boy, you're, you're not doing well. Um, And in response to kind of this, like, message that nick uh charlie sends nick nick sends him this really adorable voice message that basically just says like it's not your fault charlie and i love that he did it as a voice message because he's like i feel like this is from nick's point of view i feel like he's like this is something you need to hear and you need to hear me say it and i love that he he does that it's so freaking adorable it was really sweet and it's definitely more assuring if you hear someone say it yeah exactly um but I wrote, since Charlie internalizes other people's emotions, he's basically having to go through coming out all over again. Yeah. It makes sense that he is so anxious all the time because he is trying to keep Nick from going through the same stuff. So he doesn't feel like he did before. But by anticipating stuff like that, he is making it way worse for himself. Yeah, it's almost like he's psychologically reliving his trauma through this process, even though the trauma is not happening to Nick, like you said, like the possibility of it happening and to see like something like that verbal mat spar off match that just happened, like it must trigger a lot of stuff for Charlie and what, what he went through. And part of Nick's message, the voice message is uh, he says basically like, Hey, like, you know, I came out to my mom and that went really, really well, but you know, not everybody is Olivia Coleman. Like bad reactions are going to happen. And that's that coming out. And that's part of life. And then they have this moment with Charlie where he's hearing this and he's sitting in his bed and like the cartoon bullies come back. And, and I think that's really they're uh, visually depicting exactly like your point, Caitlin, that like Charlie is really reliving 
his coming out PTSD and the bullying with all of this stuff with Nick, even though Nick is not actively being bullied. And, and Nick is aware of this because, you know, he peripherally saw or heard about what happened to Charlie. And he's like, Hey, I, 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 I know that a bad reaction could happen, but I, I promise I can handle bad reactions. And he like, he did handle David's bad reaction. Like he stood mm-hmm. up for himself, you know, so so much trauma there's trauma sucks um but yeah so speaking of trauma we <laughs> go to Tao's. <laughs> meanwhile at Tao's. so Tao is big sad because he's looking at l snapchat and sees your description he's big sad he's big sad he's looking at l all the photos l is posting essentially on social media about mm-hmm. this uh clubbing she's doing with the Lambert art gang. Oh, he's Tao's mom much worse for himself. No, exactly. Like he's just I know. Ugh, poor baby Tao. And Tao's mom comes in to bring him a snack, which is the cutest thing ever. Cause like he's studying for his GCSEs while he's like taking a break on social media. So his mom is like, I know you're studying. Here's a snack. Super cute. And they have a conversation about romance because I mean she's the ship captain. Okay. She sees the writing on the wall. And she starts off by comparing Tao and L to her and Tao's father, which is we- sounds weird, but she kind of clarifies what she means. And to me, it sounds like Tao's mom and dad were kind of like an opposites attract situation when it came to like their personalities. Like one was, I don't know. And she's like, the fact that we were so different, that's what made us work. And it, I think that's how she views Tao and L. Um, because, like, I think Tao a lot of times is like, wow, she's she's just so much better than me. I, I don't know what she would even see in me. And he gets into, like, that self-doubt by thinking that, by putting Ta- uh, L on a pedestal. And in that, in that aspect, he thinks that they're so different they couldn't work. But his mom's like, no, 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 like, me and your dad were like this. And that's what made us work. So, like, don't give up on L, basically, is what she's saying. Um, which I think he needs, he needs some encouragement when it comes to that. Because while his friends are just, like, get together already, they don't, like talk him up the way I think he needs to kind of be talked up when he's in his head mm-hmm. you know because he he has a lot of insecurity about being left behind and I think he really feels that with Elle like he feels like she's already at Lambert she's already slipping away um and she's leaving behind her her old life and therefore leaving me behind so um and then in this in this scene we learn from Tao's mom why Tao has those abandonment issues and it's because his dad like suddenly passed away um and so you know that's he's kind of reliving residual feelings from that kind of wound that doesn't heal when it comes to losing somebody he cares about as deeply as L kind of in this aspect that poor kid I know that his poor family you know I mean they've all gone through so much I know and okay, and then the end of the episode. This is the <laughs> convenience store. Do you want to explain this part, Caitlin? Sure. Since you kind of already explained. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, Tal, Charlie, and Isaac are in the corner store. I guess he was supposed to meet up with them anyway. Because if I not, it was really weird that he found them in the like corner. Store. Guys are. <laughs> yeah. So again, they're back into uh, their candy aisle, and Tal just runs up to them. And was just like, I like L. I think he says that. 
Like, yeah. he confesses his feelings. And he's like, help me. <laughs> oh, I love the help me. He's like, help me. And then it ends. <laughs> Rudely ends. <laughs> Um, but we're off to a good start, and we can tell not not only just by that, but the ending credits have butterflies in it, and that's Tao and L's like feelings symbol. So, will we finally get Tao and L together? I say yes because I've seen it all. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully, you've seen this too. But if you're listening to this, so, uh, so. Oh, so good. I love this episode. Shall we hydrate for lesbian Jesus? I think we do that at the end, don't we? Or do we do it for each episode? Because we've already well, done it for each episode. All right. We'll do it as a season. Yeah. All right. So that's episode two. Uh, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If there's anything we missed or any little thing that you noticed, like, tell us all the things. I love when you guys are like, hey, all these things happened, and, like, Alice did this, and, like, tell us stuff. Like, there's just, so, there's so much that we can't cover at all. We do our best to cover the main things, but, like, tell us things. Like, there's a lot in the show, even, like, behind, I haven't gotten the opportunity to look into, like, filming stuff, but I know yeah. they do a lot of stuff filming-wise on purpose as well, so, yeah. Yeah, please share. Uh, and what did you like about this episode uh yeah let us know and uh until next time keep hydrating for lesbian jesus and gay it up all over the place bye and with that we've been big gay energy if you like this episode check out all our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now If you're listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review, no matter how brief. It helps us get into Apple's algorithm to reach a wider audience. Please feel free to reach out to us. We would love to hear from you about everything and anything. You can find us on all the social medias at Big Gay Energy Pod. Or email us at BigGayEnergyPod at gmail.com. If you'd like to make friends with other queer media-loving people, reach out to us to join our Discord server. If you'd like to support us, check out our merch store or join our Patreon for early access to episodes, exclusive content, and so much more. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for Lesbian Jesus.